Welcome to episode 166 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the NRL COVID scare and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 166 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, how you going, mate? Five rounds into this season. It's hotting up. How are you, how are you coping? How are you coping with the heat this, uh, this cold June day? Yes, look... Might be getting cold, but the football's getting warm, right? Getting hot, as you said, sizzling hot, and it's been good. It's been good. Uh, you know, another great round of rugby league, and um, you know what? The more and more uh, we get into the season, the the uh, the better the football on the field is getting, and uh, you know, not as many blowouts as what we had in previous weeks. So it's been quite quite fascinating to see a bit of that transaction. Um, it's been it's been uh, you know fast. It's been uh, good. There's been lots of good tries and and things like that, and um. Rugby league is a bit of a trendsetter, um, you know, in the post-COVID world. It's been unbelievable. Now we've got other sports that have actually started to roll again, but really rugby league taking the lead, it's it's great. It's it's unusual. It's kind of um, it's kind of a, a bit of a strange time where you've got a uh, rugby league being so so influential in what's happening in society. It's it's amazing. Absolutely, uh, yeah. I mean. Even though we're going to be talking about NRL and games and all sorts of things like that as well, we've got, you know, definitely what we've seen during the week is that the NRL players have taken, you know, they've, they've done a few little things here and there to kind of lend support to the Black Lives Matter movement and, and yeah. all that stuff that's happening as well. You know, in contrast, we see other sports that shall remain nameless uh, being embroiled in uh, massive controversy at the moment. Uh, around the same topic and so uh, even though we won't go into it I think it's uh, fair to say that look you know from day one one of the things that we love about rugby league is how inclusive it has been Uh, you know it started off as a working class kind of sport uh, no pretensions it wasn't about being divided along class lines it was about being inclusive to everyone you know again and again if you look at which was the first sport major sport in you know, whether it's in the UK or in Australia, to have a, uh, you know, a, an Indigenous or, or in the case of the UK, a black player leading the, their national team, it's uh, it's usually rugby league that was one of the first sports to do that. It, it was the case for Australia and it definitely is the case for the UK as well, where rugby league took the forefront. So I think that's something that we can all be proud of and and. It's, it's no surprise here as well that we're seeing the players come together and support each other at this time. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that can be talked about as well. And, and uh, you know, the history and the past that, uh, you know, even in recent times, we haven't done very well. But um, at least there are some positives to take out of that. So on that note, uh, shall we get into the footy? Yeah, let's just get into the footy. All right, so here are our six tackles, and here we start with tackle number one, the round five wrap. All right, so game number one was uh, an epic clash between Manly <laughs> and Brisbane. Uh, i got to admit, uh, you know, almost everyone would have predicted uh, the Broncos to lose this game. And yeah. it started off, uh, look, it started off with the Broncos leading 18-0. Uh, wow. Totally, totally against the run of play, uh, what you would have expected, um, against expectations. But then, just when you thought, oh, wow, Manly's capitulating, etc., Manly mounted a, an epic comeback and ended up winning 20-18. to 18. 
So, and, you know, on the back of Tommy Turbo and a few others there, um, what an epic kind of seesawing encounter. A tale of two cities, a tale of two halves, pretty much. Uh, what were your thoughts on this very strange yet epic game? Yeah, well, look, when these two teams play, uh, it is always very strange for, team, uh, for me because it is two teams that aren't, aren't the best uh, well-liked in Sydney, I've got to say. You know, it's, you know, Manly have kind of been the outsiders within sort of, and Brisbane, you know, he's obviously got that whole Queensland heritage, which the rugby league fan of uh, Sydney kind of doesn't like. But look, it was, in the end, it was a great game. And yeah, you're, you're right. It was so surprising to see how well Brisbane did. But in a way, it kind of made sense as well, because obviously they had uh, a lot of criticism throughout the week. And what better way to try and redeem yourself than to put on a great performance and they did um well at least for the first half anyway and then manly uh were able to come back um you know a, a bit of brilliance through the trials and uh, dce uh, but i think the whole team they've got a very um you know, they're a team that sort of sit, sticks together and um i think this is like the thir- third or fourth time to be a team one of these teams that are you know, they might be behind the scoreboard after the first half, but they really get their act together towards the second half and um, and they came back and won the game. So well done to Manly. And, uh, you know, things are, yes, Brisbane, they did lose. The pressure is on Seabold, uh, but um, at least they are much improved than what they were in previous rounds. Absolutely. Uh, the Warriors, uh, giving it to the Cowboys, this is probably the strangest score you could have come up with, 37 to 26. Yeah, <laughs> very very strange, but yep. uh, there you have it. And so yeah, um, the war and, and they did that at Central Coast Stadium. So look, the Warriors again back in the winners' circle. Uh, I believe, yeah, they there's some there must be something about is it Central Coast Stadium where they they won, uh, you know, in in round three as well. Let me just sort of double check quickly. It, I think it is. It was. So, you know, maybe Central Coast Stadium has become their home away from home because, yeah, again, they look, uh, you know, well, I would say unbeatable, but then again, they beat the Dragons uh, last time there. So it's not, that's not saying much, but, um, but yeah, well done to the Warriors. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this particular match? Well, look, I've got to say that, um, uh, can I say there's seven tries by um, uh, the Warriors, five tries by the Cowboys. So, um, look, and a hat trick uh, from Hiku as well. <laughs> Hiku hat trick. Hiku hat trick indeed. And look, um, not just that, but uh, yeah, as you said, you know, the Warriors are undefeated in their new home ground, which is Central Coast Stadium in Australia. So that's uh, that's kind of amazing. And, um, you know, I, I think both teams probably need to work on their defense a little bit. Um, because if you score 26 points in the NRL and, and lose, that's uh, that's <laughs> that's not really a a good uh, sign for your defense. And look, um, apparently Valentine Holmes didn't have the best game, you know, um, you know, so he's been a bit hot and cold at fullback. Um, so let's see uh, what happens to the Cowboys. Maybe uh, Paul Green might be on a bit of pressure and, uh, you know, news coming out that he might be going to Sharks. So which wow. is kind of interesting as well. But, uh, but yeah, there you go. All right. So the next, uh, the match of the round, the top of the table clash, the Eels, Defeating the Panthers 16 points to 10 at Bankwest Stadium. Mm. Uh, the Eels, you know, were down 10 0 at half time and they didn't actually get on the scoreboard until the 61st minute. Yeah. And in the space of six or seven minutes, six minutes, they scored three tries, <laughs> converted yeah. two of those tries. And ended up leapfrogging and holding on to that lead for the last 12 minutes. Uh, 16 points to 10. So another comeback of sorts. I guess the Parramatta-Manly game really took it out of both teams because they were scoreless pretty much in the first half, uh, both of those teams. So um, something about you know the, the a really big clash the week before can really take, the, take its toll, even... Uh, even in this current situation, and even in your home uh, cauldron, as the Banquet Stadium yeah. is for Parramatta. So, what were your thoughts on this? You know, it, to me, it just uh, I'm just glad they clicked into gear because I think uh, they showed towards the end there what they can do when they've got their hand on the football and uh, and got possession. So, 
uh, a job well done. Yeah, absolutely. Well done to the Eagles. Well done to Pat Primeth as well. This, for me, so far, has been the match of the year. Um, it's probably been the best match. It wow. was uh, two teams that are in form. And um, you know what? They both play an attacking brand of football. Uh, and they were they showed some real grit and determination in defense as well. But, you know, they weren't necessarily – yes, I know the scoreline didn't show that many tries, but their defense, their goal on defense of both teams was fantastic. But, but it also equaled by the fact that both these teams are pretty creative as well. You know, they're prepared to take risks, um, you know, sort of run it on the fifth tackle. A couple of times, you know, you saw a couple of the teams sort of going sideways and – and ended up, uh, you know, over the sideline as well. So they chanced their arm at that. There was some really good um, strategy behind the kicking. So, you know, the Parramatta uh, Eels had, um, you know, they probably had uh, sort of taller wingers. So you saw all of their kicks going, um, you know, very much towards their uh, sideline and aiming for their kickers. But then you saw equally Penrith, when they scored their first try, well, you know, their first try came off a, uh, a kick directed into the centers rather than the wing. So they were aiming for the centers where the Penrith centers were actually bigger than the, uh, or taller than the um, Eels centers. So that whole strategy was, was amazing. I really liked the way, you know, Parramatta in the first half, I felt they were a little unlucky uh, because I thought their attack was really good. You could actually see what they were trying to do. They were basically trying to, uh, you know, bash for about four or five tackles. Um, really close to the center, like get their big guys over and then um, spread it wide. And it wasn't until, um, yeah, as you said, the 60th minute where they did something different that they hadn't done all game, which is when they went wide, they always went wide and the ball went, uh, you know, left to right or right to left. It kept moving the same way. But what they did is as soon as they had their outside uh, back starting to cut in, uh, they started scoring tries, and uh, within a matter of, as you said, six or seven minutes, you know, after being down the whole game, they were able to turn it around. In many ways, what what I feel, and I think this is a real testament to the Parramatta team, even though it might sound like a bit of back- backhanded comment, but I actually thought that Penrith were probably the played better than the Eels, but the Eels showed their class by being able to win one of those games when uh, when when you were probably outplayed by the opposition, which. You know, that's kind of a trait that the Roosters and the Storms and those sort of teams have. So I think really good signs for Parramatta in terms of what they're, where they're going for the season. So, look, I absolutely love this game. The scoreline, 16-10, very close scoreline. The Parramatta Broncos, sorry, the Manly, Manly Broncos game, that was close as well, but it didn't have the same level of excitement as what this game did. So, uh, yeah, couldn't speak highly uh, about this game. It was It was absolutely brilliant. And and given given that the Panthers now with that loss even that was their first loss of the year, and wow. they went from second to fifth. <laughs> That's how tight it is at the wow. top. And the Eels obviously remain undefeated. But uh, do you still f- feel that the quality of the match indicates to you that the Panthers are still kind of contenders? Yeah, I, I I absolutely believe so. Look, if it was, uh, I think. They've had an issue with, uh, obviously, um, not, this is Cleary's first game of the season. And I think they're probably back. Maybe they might lack a bit of experience in, um, you know, in some of the key areas that might go against them a little bit. But overall, they kind of, uh, I think they kind of got a great team. And, uh, yeah, I think they're still contenders. Um, you know, next time when these two play, teams play, it's going to be really hard to figure out who's going to win if they keep up their form. All right. And uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs defeated the Titans 32 to 12. You know, Titans unfortunately still can't uh, get a trick this year. <laughs> they still, you know, they showed some promise early on in this match, but I think the Rabbitohs then pulled away by halftime. It was pretty much all but over. Um, but yeah, so what were your thoughts on this match? Yeah, um, look, uh, not a well. It was to be honest, it was. Um, it was now, I just forgot his name. Latrell Mitchell, it was his best game of the season as, as fullback. Um, he seems to keep on improving every week. And, yeah, I think a, a predictable uh, victory for the Rabbitohs. And uh, I think this is um, I think this is where they're going to turn their tide a little bit. So, um, well done to, yeah, well done to the Rabbitohs. All right. The Knights uh, were downed by the Melbourne Storm 26-12. to and look, I think the key thing, uh, you know, it was four tries to two, uh, you know, probably with, uh, look, 
if you look at the first points on the board for the Knights were was a, a penalty goal at half time or just after <laughs> half time you know you just can't afford when by that stage they were already down three tries to zero I mean, you just can't afford to give the Melbourne Storm that sort of, uh, you know, headway. And so, very unfortunate. But um, what were your thoughts there for the – well, the Storm were clinical in my view, as they normally yeah. are. Like, it's kind of a typical – you could sort of – it's a cookie-cutter response nowadays to the way the Melbourne Storm play. Um, and that's I think it's something that we need to – Understand that you know if you're going to play the Melbourne Storm and defeat them, you can't. Uh, you've got to catch them on a bad day, or you've just got to be really consistent and really good. And the Knights were not that, and it shows on the scoreboard. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I agree. I think the Knights have had a, a pretty tough uh, last couple of rounds. Um, you know, they had the 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 90 minute draw with uh, Penrith, um, which is a, as, you, as we talked about how good they are, and then. They all, they obviously had a great game against Canberra as well the following week, which they absolutely outplayed Canberra, who who one of the um, grand finals, one of the season, uh, one of the uh, premiership heavyweights uh, in terms of uh, taking it out this year. So now they're taking on another team that's also a contender, so three contenders in a row. I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think they're just kind of uh, you now when you go through these spells where you've just got a tough draw like this. You're bound to drop a game, and I think this is the this was probably their, their off game a little bit. Um, so I think they will be better down the track. And um, you know, Melbourne, as you said, clinical as ever, consistent as ever. Uh, you know, and yeah, they managed to do it somehow, do it all the time. And uh, yeah, as you said, uh, they play mistake-free football, Melbourne, and uh, you really need to be um, you need to be as disciplined as what they are. But be a bit more adventurous than them. That's the only way to really beat them. It's it's it's, it's really tough. All right, and the Tigers uh, went off to a good start in the first half of the match against the Canberra Raiders. But again, it seems to be a theme of this weekend's rounds, uh, this round's game. Uh, the Canberra Raiders came back uh, with all of their points in the second half, winning fourteen yeah. points to six at Campbelltown Stadium, which has. Uh, has become a bit of a home ground as well for Canberra uh, lately. Um, but, you know, it is the Tigers' actual home ground. What were your thoughts on this match? Uh, is Canberra back now? It seems like they are because they're, they're coming second <laughs> on the ladder. Uh, yeah. What were your thoughts? Oh, look, I, th- I think um, it's a game to Canberra. I think a lot of people going into it would have thought Canberra would have won, and they did do that. But I think the Tigers, uh, you know, fought hard. Um, really good effort from them from a defensive point of point of view. Um, you know, the first forty minutes is the first forty minutes all year that the Tigers have uh, held a team to no points because their defense has been a bit of a problem, which is I think why all the roster changes has 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 occurred. Uh, I mean, Canberra showing their blasted professionalism um, that they have with their uh, team and, yeah, coming back into the second half and really, um, you know, a game where they were kind of on the back foot the whole the whole game, really, they were able to turn it around uh, in the second half. So, look, I think Canberra, yeah, definitely, you know, have a chip for it. Uh, and I think that, yeah, they, they, will, uh, they will also continue to, to go strong. All right. And uh, this was meant to be the last game of the round. But because of a COVID scare, they switched around uh, the the games, the ordering of the games. But the dra- the the battle of the Shire, the Dragons yeah. versus the Sharks, uh, ended up going against uh, off script and against what most people expected. The Dragons, uh, in the end, doing it quite easily against the Sharks, thirty points to sixteen. Uh, again, oddly enough, at Campbelltown Stadium rather than. Uh, Somewhere yeah. closer to home for both teams, a bit odd, but regardless of that, very, very comprehensive performance. Five tries to three, no doubt in the world the Dragons deserve to win this one. They were all over them. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? A bit, uh, a bit unexpected. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, absolutely. But I think um, you know this kind of thing we've been talking so much about what's happening at St George lately, and there's been so much news in media. Then obviously, you know had an effect on the players as well. You know, they were sort of in crisis mode and uh, they finally got up uh, their first victory of the season. And uh, look, well done to the Dragons. And uh, 
you know, as Mary McGregor, the, the, uh, the, you know, he's, the pressure is still on him. There's still a lot of, uh, you know, news about him, you know, different stories about how he's not allowed to pick the team anymore. And, you know, he's too indecisive and everything. So, uh, despite the win, he's still under a lot of pressure. And now John Morris, uh, because everybody's looking at the Sharks as well, looking at their roster and the fact that they've only won one game of the season as well, um, kind of shows, uh, kind of shows that, uh, what I do find quite funny is that, uh, there is a, there is a little story that went around where, uh, Matt Dufty, um, you know, basically uh, told told the media that uh, that basically, uh, you know, uh, the way Mary was able to uh, to motivate the team is that he asked Matt Dufty, "Hey, you know, things that the Dragons aren't that bad. At least you're not playing 20 games for the Titans every year." And uh, oh, he said that that is cold, and it, but apparently uh, that that's, that was his strategy, and uh, it kind of worked. So. Um, Tish, so I, heard, you go. I heard a rumor that he actually his uh, his pep talk uh, at the beginning of the match was, uh, "Don't worry, boys, you've got the full support of the board." And I <laughs> yeah, think right. I think that just scared them. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely, that's absolutely. what happened. Look, the final game of the round, uh, I think, went as expected. The Roosters against the Bulldogs. Unfortunately, this wasn't the uh, the traditional kind of uh, closeness as we we come to expect from these uh, sort of semi-traditional rivals of late. Uh, unfortunately, a uh, a COVID scare uh, caused the this game to be moved to the final game of the round, the Monday night, uh, which was a bit off top off script. But um, yeah, Canterbury unfortunately uh, only scored six points and uh, were. Absolutely outgunned uh, totally by the Roosters, 42 points to six. And sadly, um, the first points that they scored were in the 65th minute uh, with a try to Kieran Foran. Wow. And so, you know, imagine, uh, you know, how, 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 how bad a day that they had, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, the, we'll talk about it a bit, bit more later, but basically, uh, yeah, there was a, Obviously, the COVID scare has probably rattled the players a little bit. I would have thought they would have put in a bit of a better performance. But really, the uh, the star of the show in the Roosters was James Tedesco. Hat-trick Tedesco, because he got three tries as well. Uh, and, you know, he seems to be getting better and better. And there's a lot of comments being made about the fact that, you know, the new rules, the six again rule and and uh this the general kind of uh, more entertaining play that we're seeing uh post covid in the nrl because of these new rule changes uh doing wonders for james tedesco uh who has just come back from that concussion injury so tish what was your thoughts about this uh flogging by the roosters yeah, well, I think everybody expected the uh, Roosters to one win, and they did. And uh, they've had some really good form uh, after the uh, you know, after the, the the COVID break. So yeah, the Roosters they're they're showing once again that they're premiership contenders. Uh, sets up a beautiful match between Parramatta and um, and the Roosters this week. You've got last year's premiers taking on. Uh, you know, the team coming first. That's going to be absolutely exciting. And uh, former roommates, I don't know if they're still living together, you know, Moses versus Tedesco. So that's going to be very exciting. And uh, James Tedesco's performance was actually so great that it actually caused, um, you know, one of the top Houston, um, Texas sport commentators, Cameron Cox, to actually tweet out about James Tedesco. Um, Mr. Cox basically on his Twitter actually said that, uh, you know, 129 points for the Roosters versus 18. James Tedesco needs to come and play fullback in the NFL. Wow. There you go. So, wow. uh, not, you know, he's attracting... <laughs> not this again, that's right. Yeah, the hate plan, you've got to call it something else. Tedesco, what can you call it? You know, it's kind of uh, it's kind of difficult. So, uh, yeah. Taco well, Tedesco, I don't know. <laughs> well, I've got a bit. What, Tedesco the Texan? Texas, yeah, that's right. Texas that's Tedesco. Right. James Texesco. Anyway, I, I don't, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, know how many different uh, – I'm going to win at Scrabble one day, I'll tell you. <laughs> how many combinations <laughs> of different words. 
But look, the key thing there is, I think a message we need to send back to the Americans is, no, you can't have him. Why don't you just watch the NRL? Rugby league yeah, is a much absolutely. better game. Uh, maybe some of your players can have a go at our game. How about that? Mm. Uh, they've got some pretty good players. Some of yeah, them might absolutely. make it into the Titans lineup. Who knows? So we'll see. 100%. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here we go. Let's talk about what happened with the Bulldogs then. Uh, tackle number two. Uh, here we go. All right. So NRL game, uh, the NRL game between the Bulldogs and the Roosters, as I said, was postponed because of a COVID-19 scare. Uh, it surrounded Bulldog star Aiden Tolman, who, uh, who basically, uh, I believe... There was an issue with uh, one of his. Was was there an issue with one of his children potentially having uh, having COVID? Because I think his child went to one of the schools that was shut down uh, and uh, and was closed because of uh, a COVID outbreak, which is basically one or two kids I think um, uh, were were tested positive for that for the virus, the coronavirus. So. Because of that, there was a bit of a scare because, uh, you know, obviously once it gets into, uh, once it spreads to an NRL player, then, uh, you know, entire teams can be completely knocked out and then then you've got to go through quarantine, etc., etc. So what the NRL did was uh, they shifted the the game, uh, which was meant to be on the Sunday. They shifted it to the Monday night and uh, while they got, Adam Tolman tested. He was cleared on Sunday afternoon, uh, but unfortunately, uh, it seems that the he's set to miss three matches. Uh, even though he returned uh, a negative result, he's still been asked to quarantine himself for the next 14 days, so it's likely that he'll miss the matches against... Uh, well, he definitely missed the match against the Roosters. He will miss the matches against the Sharks and the Tigers, potentially, uh, and so, Tish, uh, what were your thoughts on this? Did the NRL do the right thing uh, to to kind of quarantine a player preemptively, even though he was uh, cleared? What were your thoughts? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, yeah, that, that's a very interesting point. I, th- I think uh, I think I think the quarantine, the reason probably perhaps the quarantine for Aiden himself is because it is a, a family member, this being his daughter who has been exposed to the virus at their school. So as a result, so even though he's been tested uh, positive or sorry, tested negative, cleared, um, the fact is that he's probably still going to have interaction with his family over the next two weeks. Um, so they're probably just trying to keep it a little on that in case there's more evidence that comes out. Uh, and look, I think the other thing that, that did happen is that they didn't just test Aiden, but they actually tested their entire Bulldogs lineup as well. And I think they all came back as positive. Oh, sorry, as cleared. So, yeah, anyway, saying that. So, look, I think that, uh, yeah. So, I think the NRL were very quick to jump on it. I think sat- Saturday night is when they found out. They called an emergency meeting. Um, I think it was sort of the next morning and they, you know, were able to do the, uh, you know, the shift around between the games, which is good. And to be honest, to the Roosters' credit, to the Bulldogs' credit, they were all very flexible in handling the situation. And I think in the end, it didn't cause too much damage. So based on the this scenario, I think the NRL gets a pass mark with the way it's handled it. Obviously, the casualty is Aiden Tolman. But, you know, for the sake of the game, if one player has to miss two games rather than a whole team being um, sort of knocked out uh, for, for a few weeks, I think that's kind of the best result you could have. Um, it's going to be interesting to see sort of, you know, they're probably, this probably, I'm guessing that we may have more circumstances down the track. And I wonder, look, the NRL passed in this mark, but, you know, if the scenario was slightly different, you know, say this game was, uh, you know, if it was the Thursday night game, for example, uh, well, you don't have another Thursday night game that you could swap this out with, right? So how do you, uh, how do you manage something like that? So, I think there's kind of they probably they probably have all these scenarios in place, but there's probably a few scenarios that uh, would be a little tougher. And I think this one was quite easy in the end to handle. So I mean, well done to the NRL t- to be able to do it. But uh, so critical that they um, deal with these situations swiftly. 
um, especially when we're now talking about more and more people being at the stadiums as well. So, yeah. What about your thoughts, Dr. T? Did, did you think the NRL did a good job in handling this situation? Yeah, I think so. I think they did the right thing. They did the minimum that they needed to do and uh, and a little bit more than that, actually. Uh, so, so that's good. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, – look, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, – it, it makes for an interesting um, – Interesting few weeks ahead. You talk about the scheduling. Uh, I was going to make a comment about that. You know, if it, it really does depend on which games are are affected. Uh, you know, in some cases, I guess. You know, what 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 will happen? I guess if the if a, a major game, as we get closer to the end of the season, is impacted, what will happen if it's a major televised game? You know, will we start hearing from the uh, the the broadcasters uh you know whinging about things or you know this seems to be a seem to be a, a kind of a, you know not a very high profile game uh bulldogs not going so well this year roosters yes reigning premiers but you know not the kind of game that was likely to be majorly uh you know a major you know tv audience grabber so what happens in future is the real question. If this happens again, what will make what will be the decision that the NRL makes? The key thing for me is that you know if they, um, you know, in look put it this way, in my day <laughs> when I was younger, I remember that they used to have midweek games, and you know even before we were born, they used to have these the midweek cup, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and and so. For a very long time, they've stopped doing that, and we seem to be not able to play more than one game a week. There seems to be this kind of perception that because of how hard and fast the game is, that uh, players just cannot cope if more than, uh, you know, if you've got any less than, say, six days between games. Now, that wasn't the case, you know, several decades ago. Players were playing midweek games as well as weekend games on occasion, not always. Uh, It doesn't seem like that is even an option anymore. Now, to me, this the midweek games is uh, is kind of really tailor-made to play these kind of catch-up games. So what, what I think we should see in future, and we may even see it happen this year, is if other games are impacted, we may see a move to playing... Uh, games midweek, you know, several weeks after after the fact and after people have been cleared so that they can catch up with with the various rounds so that it doesn't affect the finals. And really, um, I wonder if we're going to see that this year. So that to me is the only thing that uh, that will be the real test. How will the NRL handle that? Will it turn a negative into a positive and an opportunity to then, you know, televise a midweek game i mean you know why haven't we been seeing this kind of innovation from the nrl uh we've come back from covid people are starting to go back to normal and yet still we see the exact same scheduling for all the games there's no thought being given to you know why not put another put a game on another day of the week you know people are starting to uh, get used to no origin and all that sort of stuff. So people are in a state of change at the moment. Why not try something different? Um, you know, and so this is an opportunity. If uh, if it happens again and they do the same thing again, they quarantine a player, potentially a whole team might be affected in future. Uh, let's give a catch-up game in a midweek uh, time slot a go. And I think that's something that we should consider. But look, let's move on to the next tackle. Tackle number three, here we go. All right, so the New South Wales Premier gives a green light for crowds in the NRL of up to 10,000 from July 1. Tish, take us through what is going to happen from July 1. Yes, so, look, uh, famously, uh, you know, sort of controversially, I should say, Peter Villander did make an announcement that he wants to see uh, crowds back, uh, you know, into, you know, live crowds back at the NRL from July 1. And, uh, you know, Premier Gladys Marie Jekyllin, she has caved in to Peter, to, to Verlanders, the power 
of of Verlanders and and he's uh, you know the force that he works with you know like the whole Star Wars reference, but basically they've given the green light for up to ten thousand fans to be allowed at each NRL game in New South Wales after July the first. So you know at the moment we do have that small uh, you know that small crowds that come from the corporate stand, and I think that's like fifty people per bar that they have. Um, you know, per stadium sort of thing. So, you know, if you've got four bars, you get 200 people. Um, that's what they have at the moment, but then it is going to be increased to to that 10,000 mark. Um, so the way it will work is if there is an outside organised event with ticketing and seating, up to 25% of that venue can be utilised for venues that have up to a 40,000 seat capacity. So... In reality, it's actually not quite 10,000 because we are playing some games at Central Coast Stadium as well as Campbelltown, um, you know, as, as sort of the two, as, as two major ones, as well as Bank West, right? Is that the three? Is there another one? I think there's another one in New South Wales, but, um, but that's, that, that, that's where we're playing these games at the moment. Mm. So with Campbelltown and um, I, think the, I think the capacity of Campbelltown is around 20,000 of Know, of like seated seats, and I think the same is at the Central Coast. So you're really only talking about five thousand in those uh, venues. Where Bankwest, I think it holds about thirty thousand. So you're looking around about seven and a half thousand as the capacity. So it's not going to be quite ten, but I think I think it's going to be great because it is going to be that live crowd. Uh, an interesting sort of uh, another news came out is that the fan in the stand will continue. And uh, the so you will still be able to buy a cardboard cutout of you know yourself or your or your pet um, or your famous you know or you know like a you know Wes Wally or something like that. Um, and you'll basically um, it, it, they will be used and they were used to help people social distance. So basically, you know they'll have like you know one person sitting down and then two fake people <laughs> sitting down uh, next to them. <laughs> Which, to be honest, I, I don't know. I think they should have one or the other. I'm not too sure about having both. But, yeah, but it, very interesting. But, look, um, I've got to say, you know, hats off to Peter Villanis. He's, uh, you know, he's making waves. And, uh, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, July the 1st and July the 1st, here, here it comes out. So, I think I think the fact that the NRL, uh, you know, dealt with the situation they've had over the weekend pretty well. And I think on top of that, the fact that they are sort of, um, you know, the, the, the amount of testing that's done uh, is kind of... Uh, you know, it's it's quite high, and the number of cases is is getting lower and lower. And then the fact that also that we've had, um, you know, uh, you know, they've got all these things about, um, you know, NRL was doing big in terms of you know downloading the COVID Safe app, so they really are playing the part of of being an advocate for what the government's trying to introduce. And I think as a result, they've found some favour, and and this is it. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing the crowds come back. Um, Doctor T, will you be attending a game during July? Uh, I will do my best. Uh, it's going to be virtually impossible to attend a Parramatta Eels home match, though, because, you know, if we were allowed to get 40,000 in there, I reckon we would be filling out that stadium, uh, you know, every week uh, at the rate at the rate that they're going, in, at the level of exciting football that they're playing. Uh, so it would be very, very difficult, I think. But, look, if... if uh, yeah, and so I guess that's the problem is that if, uh, you know, a lot of people would be interested in going, but a lot of people will miss out. So for the time being, I think I'm going to maybe catch it on the telly until things go back to normal. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, what about you, Tish? Are you, are you planning on uh, trying to uh, trying to find uh, scalped tickets out there for the hottest tickets in town? Well, to be fair, um, you know, my wife, she goes for Penrith, I go for the Tigers. So there is a Penrith Tigers game that is in July. So we have we have actually talked about it. We, we probably want to somehow get in there. And, um, yeah, it would be good to see live sport again. Um, you know, even this week, last week, with the, with the limited crowd that was around, I think it does add to the atmosphere of watching it live on TV as well. Um, but you know what? You also have to think about uh, it's not a matter of just being able to social distance in the ground. It's just about how you travel there and back as well and the social distancing part of that. So I think most people would want to drive to these stadiums as well. 
Uh, I'm not too sure about what some of the parking uh, arrangements are at these venues as well. So there's a lot to, for people to consider beforehand. But look, I think it's uh, I think it's a, a step in the right direction. So um, very interesting. And the, you know, the other thing that I, that I thought about is, um, you know, it's kind of a shame the Sydney Football Stadium isn't around uh, anymore because mm. 40,000, you would have had the 10,000. It's a great atmosphere and it would have made a lot of sense. And um, you know, it's kind of a shame that we've had, uh, you know, that, you know, that this, uh, that we don't actually have that facility available at the moment because you know, as I said, Parramatta Stadium, that new stadium at Bankwest, it looks fantastic, but I think it only holds 30,000 as a capacity. So, oh, unfortunately, right, yeah. We're, yeah, we're not able to get that up. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that I'm not too sure if the, the, the crowds are going to be back in Melbourne or Queensland either. I don't think there's been any announcement made. So, it might just only be the New South Wales games for the time being, which is, which is also a very interesting thing because, obviously, it is great to have a crowd at Suncorp. I know that... I know the atmosphere there is usually quite tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think, uh, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you me- oh, what did you mention? <laughs> you mentioned a few things there that I wanted to make Sorry. a comment on. No, no, it's all right. <laughs> I was, uh, I was just sort of thinking that, oh yeah, that's what I was, I was going to say. You mentioned would have been good to have the, and this is, this will be my only comment on this. Would have been good to have the Sydney football stadium, uh, still up and running, uh, you know, for the for the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. But look, um, I, I guess with that, you know, ten thousand or so upper limit, given that uh, that you can fit usually about forty thousand in in there, or you used to be able to fit forty thousand in there. Uh, I guess that means you can fit all of the Sydney Roosters fans in there, Tish, and still have five thousand left over for other fans. Boom, Tish. Anyway. Sorry, crack a joke there. <laughs> anyway, apologies to all Roosters fans, but honestly, uh, all three of you, um, there's not that many of you. All right, let's move on to tackle number four. All right, so now we're looking uh, a bit more broadly at the world of rugby league uh, internationally and not just uh, not just rugby league the way we know it, but wheelchair rugby league, in fact. Uh, wheelchair rugby league has world rankings and at the top of the pile there is good old France. France are ranked number one in international wheelchair rugby league, uh, which have been issued for the very first time. France are currently the world cup holders in wheelchair rugby league. England is a close second after a strong showing in 2019, which saw victories over France followed by a successful tour to Australia. However, France are still the number one team and the world rankings are calculated using exactly the same formula as for the men's and women's running game. They only consider full international matches played over the past four-year period and are based on the result of the game, the strength of the opponent, with the most recent results carrying the most weight. World Cup games carry more weight than standard international matches. And uh, French coach, uh, apologies if I get this wrong, Sylvain Kuzmanovic said, it is a great honour to be recognised as a number one wheelchair rugby league team in the world. We have always been proud of our players and our team, and this is a great boost for us as we get ready to defend our position as world champions. And uh, Pippa Britton, who chairs the IRL Wheelchair Working Group, uh, commented, this is another welcome advance for Wheelchair Rugby League as we prepare for Rugby League World Cup 2021, where all the athletes will be treated equally. Tish, uh, talk about, you know, I talked about before the inclusivity of the game. Again, uh, you know, Rugby League at the forefront of pushing not just, you know, uh, the exposure for the women's game uh, compared to the men's game, but also wheelchair rugby league uh, has been, uh, has had, a, you know, quite a resurgence recently because of the efforts of, uh, of the, uh, of international rugby league IRL. Um, what are your thoughts on this? This is another, uh, to me, another positive for inclusivity in the game. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about this? Well, look, yeah, um, you, you're 100% right. Um, this just shows how good rugby league is as a sport um, in terms of, you know, being able to uh, 
be inclusive of many different people, many different, um, you know, many different uh, races and, you know, sexes and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, as well as people who've had, um, you know, who don't, uh, who normally cannot play traditional sports. And the fact that, you know, wheelchair rugby league is, is growing is fantastic. And, um, you know, the thing about rugby league is that it is, uh, if you think about it, six tackles one team, six tackles the other team, the play the ball, you get up, you roll it on your feet. Um, you know, the basic concept is very simple. And, um, the, you know, it's in its purest form, it's it's quite a simple game to, to sort of understand and see. And that makes it very um, transferable to other, other, you know, to other places around the world and to also to sort of uh, create a version of the sport for other people who may not necessarily, um, you know, be able to play full contact sport. And I think this is, uh, this is a testament to that. And look, well done. And I like to use their original name, but well done to Gaul. And, um, you know, they're doing fantastic work uh, in the World Rugby League. And, you know, like Rugby League World Cup, the French, they're actually the pioneers they're noted as being one of the pioneers of um, of wheelchair rugby league. Um, you know, uh, they are pioneers of this sport. And they continue to play a, a leading role in their development. And interestingly, France is ranked number one. Uh, Dr. T, do you know who's ranked second in the world? Uh, I think I mentioned it, didn't I? <laughs> Oh, England? Yep. Yeah, that's right. All right, there we go. England, I, I, don't know who's, I don't know who's ranked third, though. Is it Australia? Yeah, it, no, it is not. It is Wales. Oh, wow. You know? So Australia's not even in the top three. No, uh, yeah, that's right. Australia is actually the fourth nation, so that's they're actually ranked fourth, 46%. So, um, And France is obviously 100%. They're actually quite a long way away from even Wales at 77%. So wow. there you go. And just behind Wales, uh, just behind Australia, sorry, is Italy with 43%. So 46% for Australia and 43% for Italy. Um, so there you go. So, that, so, that, so that, that shows you that there's quite a big diversity um, uh, in terms of where, you know, a wheelchair rugby league. And, you know, traditional powerhouses like New Zealand um, actually not even in the top eight, which is very interesting. And, um, you know, we've also got those emerging nations in – uh, you know, in sort of men's rugby league in, in you know, Fiji and, and Samoa and Tonga. None of these teams actually feature in the top eight. Um, it's mostly European nations and Australia. So that's that's quite fascinating how, you know, the development of wheelchair rugby league is, is very different to the way it's, uh, you know, the way men's rugby league is, is, uh, is sort of forming as well. So, yeah, so I've got to say, yeah, look, great story there on France. And I think... Um, you know, let's hope that we, um, you know, uh, we could see more. Let, let's hope that the, we could actually watch a, a game of full chair uh, rugby league, that they actually get TV rights. We can actually watch it on TV because I, I think it would be a spectacle to actually watch it. Oh, absolutely. I think that would be awesome. Uh, it's a kind of thing that, you know, again, this is the chance for the NRL to take, you know, the initiative and, uh, you know, or, or not just the NRL, I mean the ARL commission, to take the initiative and do something a bit different and, and, and get some exposure to the different uh, the different members of the rugby league family, you know, the different types mm. of, uh, of, you know, forms and formats of the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm hoping – and what I'm glad to see is that the Rugby League World Cup in 2021 is uh, taking advantage of that and doing just that. It's actually trying to uh, show the different formats together uh, you know, in the same tournament in a way. And then I think that's really good. Um, still sticking with the overseas theme, let's move on to tackle number five. All right. So I said we're sticking to the overseas theme. Unfortunately, it also involves a player close to home for you, Tish. What's the news with the Tigers? Tell me. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the Tigers... Uh, turmoil at the Tigers, can I say? The Dan is uh, definitely become a Tiger pit, you know. Maybe, you know, I kind of, I kind of uh, blame, uh, you know, Carol Baskin actually um, for all the mess that the Tigers are under. Um, you know, first she attacked Tiger King, and now she's attacking the West Tigers, and I, I believe it's a conspiracy. But look, um, look, I think what's happening is that uh, 
yeah, look, Benji Marshall, there's been rumours. Danny Wilder has released it. You know, Danny Wilder, the scoop of scoops man, he has uh, revealed that, you know, Benji's entertaining the fact of finishing up his career, not in the cold of England, nor in the, uh, you know, nor in the jungles of South Africa. Um, you know, nothing to do with, you know, the Isle of, of his native homeland of New Zealand, but in the biggest city in the world, New York, New York, the Big Apple, uh, apparently Benji has been linked to a rugby league consortium that is trying to gain entry into the Super League in 2022. And uh, he could be playing his final years in rugby league at the, you know, in the Big Apple. So, you know, Benji Marshall sensationally two weeks ago was dropped uh, by the West Tigers, um, you know, as, as and not necessarily for having a, you know, sort of a bad game, but I think it's more to, to, to make a statement. But, but in his absence, obviously, he's had a, a bit of a COVID scare himself. But it seems like now the offer that was made several months ago to join um, this New York side, side uh, it's actually gaining interest not just with Benji Marshall, but also his wife, Zoe. I think they're both keen on actually trying this out. Very, very interesting. And um, look, as much look, Benji Marshall, he's probably my favorite player in the NRL, let's be honest. He's probably the West Tigers. Robbie Farrell, like the best players that have ever come out of the West Tigers that we've had, um, they're club legends, and it would be great to see them finish their regular league career in in um, uh, you know at the West Tigers. However, I'm also a big uh, advocate for rugby league expanding internationally, and the place we do need to expand is the United States of America. So, if Benji Marshall can be pivotal in Getting a team up in New York, which I think would be a fantastic achievement. The NRL, if if rugby league can be successful in New York, then um, then it would be fantastic. And I think Benji is actually kind of the right man for it. Unlike some of the other players that they've reached out, in all, all respect, they're fantastic athletes. I'm talking about Israel Flower, and I'm talking about Sonny Bill Williams. They're all great players, and they do bring audiences, and they're sort of big names. I think Benji's a little different because I think Benji, not only is he a great player, he's kind of a bit of a pioneer, by the way. He plays a lot of players in the NRL today, influenced by his style. He's got his own unique style, which which is now being copied. So I think that's also kind of exciting. And it's a very exciting way he plays. And obviously, if we could see a bit of vintage um, Benji play in the UK Super League under a, a New York team, I think that would be exciting New York. But I also think Benji's actually very good with media. Um, he's he's got a, a good personality for television. Um, you know, you sort of seen him in lots of interviews, and you know, you see him in social media. He carries himself very well. He's he's a much more mature player, and you know, you could sort of count on him a little bit not to not to make um, the wrong type of headlines uh, in a way. So I think that Benji could be, I think he could be a real asset to trying to build the game in America if it, it eventuates. So, look, I think it's a long way from actually happening, but, look, the less time he plays for the West Tigers under the Maguire regime, the more likely um, this New York uh, side would get up. I think it would be great. Uh, as an ambassador for rugby league in New York. Uh, I think it would be. And, look, Tish, uh, look... If you're talking about a side in New York and building the game in in America in general, uh, there's two words that I have for you uh, regarding Benji Marshall, and those words are not Benji Marshall. Those words are razzle-dazzle. And that is because of all the players that are pioneering and and being kind of star recruits in uh, in the kind of – in the pioneering out – outposts of rug, the rugby league world, Toronto with Sonny Bill, you know, Catalans with Israel Folau, uh, Greg Inglis, you know, not so much a pioneer in, in Warrington, but, you know, definitely with the resurrection of his career, get it, going back into the English game, uh, you know, all of these players, as great as they are, uh, definitely bring a lot of star power, but I think it's fair to say out of all of those players, the you know, and if you're throwing Benji Marshall into the mix, the only player that's likely to grab the attention of the American public would be someone 
uh, like Benji Marshall, someone who's able mm. to actually produce, you know, highlights, a highlights reel that you could show anyone and say, look at this guy. What an amazing, what do they call it? A goose step. What's that? <laughs> you know, can you, ima- can you imagine the Americans talking about, you know, the, the kinds of things that he does? And then, you know, again, hopefully it'll get people a bit curious about who he is. They can uh, rewind it back to 2005 grand final West Tigers, that may- amazing flick pass, which was so yeah. quick, was so quick that, to Pat Richards that you didn't even see it. That's how good it yeah. was. I remember watching that live and going, "How did he do that? Wait, well, what? What? How did he get the ball? Didn't even see it. It was that quick." And so yeah. that kind of, you know, if if you're gonna make it big in America, if you're gonna break through, you need an attention grabber, and nothing grabs yeah. the attention more than someone like a Benji Marshall. I mean, equally, you could go with someone like Sean Johnson, you know. Mm. Uh, Players like that are going to project the very positive attacking types uh, aspect of the game. And this is what you need. As you said, all the other things he said about him being great with the media, he's a funny guy, all that kind of stuff, he would add. That just adds uh, the the well-roundedness to him as a package deal kind of thing. But it all comes back to the highlights reel on the field. And uh, yes, he's a bit slower than he used to be, but he won't be up against NRL quality players. (laughs) He'll be up against, you know, super league players, uh, you know, and so who are not really, you know, like the speed of the game here, I think is a lot quicker than over there. Uh, And so, you know, you do see a lot of players with a new lease of life when they go over there, uh, even if they're getting a little bit old. Um, you know, and so I think I think it ticks all the boxes and potentially this is a great way for him to really give back to the game. So yeah, uh, final yeah. thoughts, Tish, on that? Yeah, no, no. I think you actually uh, you, you brought up some really good points there as well, Dr. T. Like, I think, um, you know, that, that 2005 grand final try, I mean, it's it's an amazing try because... As you're right, nobody nobody knew what actually happened. They're like, oh, okay, you know, the pass. It's kind of like one of these things. Cause the try was just amazing itself, just for the fact that it started off, you know, 10 metres out from the Tigers' try line. They ran the length of the field. Pat Richards scored. And you sort of watch, you thought, oh, that was great. And, you know, how did Benji pass the ball? You weren't sure. And then you saw the replay. And then the replay is just as exciting because when they slowed down and you see the flick pass, you could hear the audience uh, in the footage um, – you know, have a big roar as well because they realise everybody missed it. Um, you know, nobody got it. That's how quick it was. That's the type of uh, moments that I think uh, captures it. You know, I sort of think about, you know, there's a famous story about Michael Jordan. He kind of, um, I think it was like a slammed up challenge where he dunked the ball from the three-point line, uh, you know, jumping from the three-point line and dunking it from there and, uh you know, nobody had seen somebody do something like that had ever before, and it was on national TV, and that's pretty much what catapulted him into becoming a absolute superstar over there. And you know, they do like the Tiger Woods, the Michael Jordans. You know, that uh, Babe Ruth kind of did it in baseball so many years ago. You know, if there's, you know, they get behind one superstar player who's just basically an absolute freak. I think Benji can be that guy if he's exposed to an American audience, because he can produce those moments. Now, the truth is he's not as young as what he once was. So we might see him, you know, um, you know, uh, get a hamstring injury trying to do a sidestep, um, maybe a bicep injury when he's trying to do a, uh, a flick pass. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully his body can hold up a little bit. But I think that's what the American audience will need. So um, that's probably the only thing. And uh, yeah. I think it's very similar in the way he um, approaches um, the sport, a bit like Michael Jordan. I mean, like, you know, just that fierce competitiveness. You kind of see that with him. Uh, you know, he looked he look like the world's most angriest man sitting out for Canberra because he's that competitor that wants to take the field. And, um, yeah, I think it'd be great uh, for rugby league. So, yeah, well, let's see what happens with Benji because I don't think he's a game in the NRL. Um, and nor do I believe that he is, uh, you know, I don't think he's ready for retirement just yet. I think we've still got some special Benji moments uh, left to see. 
I totally agree. And look, uh, just to clarify, the Jordan did not go from the three point line uh, to <laughs> to dunk. That would have oh, been okay. nearly. It was from the free throw line. Okay, so okay. Where, where they free where they throw line, not the three, the free, that, not okay. the three point. No, no. Very, very uh, big difference. <laughs> would have been virtually impossible. But uh, look, uh, yeah. Uh, but still, like, an amazing it. effort, though. It's still, <laughs> still pretty good. Still pretty good. Well, never, you know, it's, it's still, it is an iconic thing. So yeah, you're right. Uh, but look, I think that's the thing. I think uh, Benji, as I said, it's a good comparison you're making with Jordan because he is competitive. Uh, totally different styles, though, in terms of uh, the way that uh, you know the, the way they are. But there is a very there is much of a similarity in terms of the kind of excitement that they bring to inspiring, uh, you know, other players, but also fans. So absolutely. All right, let's move on to our final tackle. Tackle number six, the tips. All right. So after round five, uh, in round five, I got seven. Oh, I got seven out of eight. That's pretty good. And you got four out of eight. So that brings my total uh, thus post-COVID to 15.5 and you're on 12.5 so still anyone's a game uh and still a long long way to go so let's move on to our round six tips so firstly we've got the knights versus the broncos i'm tipping the knights uh for this one to bounce back after their poor showing against the storm um yeah look i am going to tip the knights as well i think they're a good team and i think they just had a bit of a, a blip last week all right, Rabbitohs versus Warriors. Uh, this will be a pretty tight one, but I'm tipping the Rabbitohs to pip the Warriors. Yeah, I've got to say, likewise, I'm also tipping the Rabbitohs. Uh, I think the Warriors are kind of hot and cold a little bit, so they won last week, so I think they're going to lose this week. <laughs> All right, Panther Storm. Uh, look, this may be a bit of an upset in terms of, uh, you know, form and uh, the bookies, etc. but I reckon the Panthers are going to win this one, and this will be a game-changer for them. Uh, they will show that they are arriving as premiership contenders with this game on the weekend against the Storm. What do you think? Well, look, I think it is going to be a close game. You're right, Dr. T. Uh, I did notice that Cleary was a bit off with his kicking, so I don't know if he's 100% ready on that point. And the fact that this is going to be close and the kicking might, might come down to kicking, I'm going to give Melbourne the edge on this one. All right. Uh, the Titans and the Dragons. Uh, I think the Dragons easily will win this one. Uh, look, for you know what? I'm going to tip an upset. I think the Gold Coast, um, you know, uh, yeah, I think the Titans, they, they've done a few things good this season, and let's hope the Tigers aren't the only team they beat <laughs> for <laughs> our sake. <laughs> All right. Tigers and Cowboys in a replay of that uh, famous moment. <laughs> oh. In 2005, the grand final, uh, I'm tipping the Tigers to repeat that performance and do Benji proud. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think so. The Tigers uh, have done well when they've played in North Queensland, so I think they'll see that. But, uh, yeah, going to be a great game. I think it'll be an entertaining game. All right, Roosters and Eels, uh, I think, look, this is going to be a tough one. And, uh, you know, if I was putting money on it, I'd be very worried about this tip. But I can't, I can't go past the Eels. I want the Eels to win, so I'm going to tip the Eels. Yeah, look, this is going to be an absolute top-notch game. This is, as I said, the grand finalist from last, the grand finalist from last year. This is the number one team at the moment. And who's going to win? Oh, you know, the Roosters have scored so many points. So I'm going to tip the Roosters. They just seem unbeatable at the moment. Yeah, I'd just like to sort of clarify, Tish. I think what you're, what you mean to say is... The 2019 Premiers versus the 2020 Premiers. I think that's a oh. very important distinction. Anyway, no, let's move on. Gotcha. <laughs> Canberra versus Manly, a replay of the 1987 Grand Final. Uh, this time, I think the Raiders will turn it around, turn around the score, and I think, uh, yeah, they'll win this one against Manly. Yeah, I'm going to tip. Um, I'm going to tip Manly uh, via GPS. Because Gosford, well, sorry, Manly, Manly to are playing away from to Campbelltown, which is a shorter trip for Canberra to get to Campbelltown and to their home game. So there you go. All right, and finally, the Sharks against the Bulldogs in a battle for. Let me just, I'll just double check the ladder. <laughs> it. it 
<laughs> no, no, hang on. I've got to get this right. It's 13th versus 15th. This well, look, this is a battle against dragon, dragons and titans is 14 versus 16. So really, we've got two bottom-of-the-table clashes happening mm. this weekend. I can't wait to see what the TV ratings are. But look, the Sharks versus the Bulldogs, I'm tipping a bit of an upset because I think the Bulldogs – are going to pull it together and uh, and defeat the Sharks. What about you? Well, um, as in the famous words of John Rebo, when two tribes go to war, and uh, neither, neither of them can score, <laughs> neither of them can score. Um, look, well, uh, yeah, I'm going to fall. This is really tough. I will say the Bulldogs as well. Uh, and uh, what I did here is that. Um, you know, the Sharks are trying to get Andrew Fafita to retire uh, on a medical retirement. So I think oh, it's right. always danger signs when you're trying to get your one of your players to actually retire. So Wow. That's that's, a, that's an unusual tactic. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and that's, that's, right so. that's right up there with all the other unusual tactics that we've seen from the Sharks lately. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, 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 <laughs> but you must say, if you look at the rosters, the Sharks should win by quite a quite a big margin. Sean Johnson, Matt Moylan, you know, uh, Chad Townsend, Wade Graham, Fafita. It's quite a big lineup, but it just, they just, they can't put it together. Where I think the Bulldogs, uh, yeah, I, I think the Bulldogs will win and quite, quite well as well, I think. Wow, that's a big, uh, that's a big tip there. And, uh, well, let's see how they go. But yeah, that ends the tips, that ends the podcast. And, uh, as we wrap up, don't forget, everyone, you can catch us by email at rlrepublic at gmail.com. Check out our website at rlrepublic.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, and on iTunes. Please subscribe to our podcast as well. Uh, leave a review, leave your comments, and download all of our episodes and help support our We Little podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Tish, thanks very much for bringing your views to us, as always. And I'll leave it to you to wrap this one up. Well, look, thank you. And look, like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.